0: is a family Sunday, and so I have a message uh, from God's Word to you about how needed, how, how we, we can't make it without Jesus, or why we can't make it without Jesus. I realize that um, plenty of people do uh, make it without Jesus, or they seem to make it without Jesus. They go about their lives, they, uh, they live day to day, and they may even seem like they're doing better than us. Uh, who are trying to walk faithfully with the Lord. But this morning, I want to talk to you specifically about the family. Yesterday, I had a great uh, day, and some of you boys who are here today, you you won't understand this. Uh, I got to go to a very special event, boys. And when you think about great events you can go to, um, I'm pretty sure this one won't uh, rank on anything that you want to do. I got to go to a wedding it's almost like going to the dentist. You know, uh, I got to get dressed up on a Saturday and go to a wedding. The wedding was for R.J. Presswitch. I don't know if uh, some of you may not know him, uh, but he was, he grew up right here at Bear Valley Church. Um, he went uh, through all our kids programs, wanna and uh, the youth ministry. And uh, he actually was an intern here uh, a few years ago. And an intimate part of what's gone on here. We're super thankful for him. And now he's a youth pastor over in Arizona, and he got married yesterday. It was super exciting. Kids, let me tell you about getting married, okay? Just tuck this away for later. Um, getting married, uh, nobody knows how to get married. Like, they don't know about marriage. They. It's one of those events where it's hard to prepare for. You hear people talk and I take people into my office and a young couple that wants to get married and I talk to them about marriage. But it's so, uh, it's such an interesting world. You don't, you don't even understand what you're doing. And yet it's so important. I don't know a whole lot about like brides because I don't spend a whole lot of time with brides. But I do know about the groom, the man. They get super nervous. They get super nervous. They feel very comfortable in like... Uh, Tearing buildings down and charging up mountains and wrestling steers and stuff like that. But getting married makes them very nervous, very nervous. And I never tell them, I, I never tell them, oh, it's no big deal. I say, there's reasons to be nervous. You just don't understand yet. Um, and so yesterday, R.J. married this beautiful woman. Uh, they're now married off on their honeymoon. Uh, who knows, a family could follow and all these great things. And and as I talk to people about being a family, uh, I'm I'm very interested on how that will play out. And I encourage them about the very things that I'm going to talk with you about today. I want to ask you a question. This is for everybody here. This is for everybody here. Uh, what's wrong with your family? Don't answer out loud. Please don't answer out loud. Uh, I want you to just think about this for a moment. Moment. What's wrong with your family? You don't have enough time. (laughs) We don't want to stand up and give testimony about that, right? Uh, What's wrong? What's wrong with your family? I just want you to sit with that for a moment. I know some of you are wanting to move on. What's wrong with your family? Maybe I could even uh, ask this question. Who, who's wrong with your family? Who's the, who's the one to blame? Who, who's the, the one that uh, creates uh, the bad stuff that goes on in your home? As you think about this, um, I want to ask you, and once again, I don't want you to answer out loud, point, or uh, uh, do any of those things. Has your family had an argument in the past week? Have they exchanged words that still ring and penetrate even though the words have long passed? People mad at each other. Is there a sense of separation? Is there a sense that a couple of members have to tiptoe around the other members because they're mad and they're they're grouchy and they could be set off at any moment? I don't ask these questions just because it's Sunday morning. I realize that Sunday morning it's sometimes difficult to get to church. And to get to church with your hair combed and with a good attitude is sometimes extremely difficult. Uh, let me just tell you as a pastor, uh, I'm more concerned that you're here than whether you have a good attitude or whether your hair is combed. Okay? Uh, it's important to be with God's people and hair is not so important. As I grew up, uh, many times this happens and there's kind of a connection between, uh, television shows and the culture of the day. I remember growing up and watching reruns of two shows about the family. One was Ozzie and Harriet and the other was leave it to beaver. And, uh, and kids, you know, shows, uh, they're, they're funny, and they always have a little bit of a story to them. Uh, there's usually kind of a problem that needs to be solved in that little show. There's some kind of thing that's happening that's really bad, and it somehow works itself out in the show. I, I remember watching one leave it to Beaver, and it was pretty intense, pretty intense. Uh, Beaver had lost his yo-yo, uh, and he couldn't find it. And the whole show was about him trying to find that G-Wally and all that good stuff. And, and finally he finds it and it, the, the show's solved and everything's back to normal. Uh, th- those kind of shows gave way to other kinds of shows. I remember uh, in my day we watched Eight is Enough. Uh, we watched um, you know shows like that where it was a little bit more complicated, a little bit of Brady Bunch in there, um, And then Cosby show, of course, as that came about. And those were a little bit more significant in their problems and the things that went on. Um, And now we've gotten to the place where everybody loves Raymond and uh, modern family. And obviously we're progressing. It's just not to a good place, right? Uh, There's a sense where these are uh, relating a little bit too closely to uh, actual life that we are living. I think that we all want to be a perfect family, don't we? I I want want to be in a perfect family. I want there to be a sense where we have all the best that this world and God has to offer. I want us to be, from top to bottom, uh, fulfilling our roles perfectly and so that we would be that perfect model family. The difficulty is that in my family and your family... It resembles more of a reality TV show of dysfunction, of sin going on back and forth, and the the problem, the the difference being, it's just not that funny and it's just not that entertaining. Uh, most of us struggle on many different accounts when it comes to our home life. I want to uh, unpack that this morning, and uh, just with three points, just share the situation the answer to our situation, and how to have a home filled with love. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning. I thank you for the families that are represented here today, each person. uh, God, I ask that you would just continue to help us to um, understand our roles. God, uh, there are some here today that are alone. I pray that they would be encouraged that these are the types of relationships that they should seek, that they should have, uh, that is the model. I pray for those who are in the thick of the battle today. Some are are coming in hurting. Uh, God, I pray that you would uh, align us with your own will. God, I pray that you would give us humble hearts, that we would allow these words to penetrate. Uh, Not my words, but yours, Lord. God, thank you for this morning. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first of all, the situation. Turn over to Romans chapter 3. Kids, if your parents can't find it, could you please help them? Romans chapter 3. I know that many of you know this verse. In fact, it's one that I grew up with in the church, as well as, uh, I think, a vacation Bible school coming. We will be talking about this as well there, uh, Sunday School Iwana. We. This is an important verse when it comes to us understanding the family. Um, we are, uh, individuals and, and just like I can talk about RJ today because he's not here, but, um, RJ, he grew up, he was part of a family, his parents, uh, Randy and Tammy, they raised him with his brother Cameron right here in this place. And you get to a certain age, you, you go off and you do some things. He went to college and spent some time here and there. And now, uh, he has begun a family of his own and, There's a situation that we look at life as just generationally, that everyone just kind of goes on and does the same thing. Nothing changes. But I want to talk to you about the situation of your family, of your relationships, and how that impacts uh, the, the days to come. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. Kids, you know what that means? It means the sweetest of little babies is a sinner. Uh, We have a few floating around here, uh, babies, and they look so cute. And there's a sense where uh, they are perfect in our eyes. And yet, a sinner in their heart. If they could communicate. I was talking to uh, Jeff Swanson's wife. uh, uh, Some of you know Jeff as well. He was at the wedding. He grew up here as well. And his wife has twin boys. Twin boys. And that would be a challenge. I don't know if you've had twins or been around twins. But I can't quite imagine what that would be like. And I I was talking to Jeff's wife. And and she was, I, I said, you know, which one of them is the more ornery one? And she quickly responded. She just said, whoever's hungry, whoever's hungry. And I thought about that and I go, boy, it, it does. It's, that's the way it is, right? Uh, whoever's grabbing and saying, I, I want my rights right now. Um, and that's pretty typical of the way our homes go. For all have sinned. Kids, I want to tell you this. That, uh, that's you. That's you. Don't look to your brother or your sister. You know, it's real simple when we're kids and we go, who's a sinner? You go, my brother's a sinner. I could give you a testimony and I could list out his rap sheet of all the things that he has done. Just in the last couple of days, he's got a list. He's a sinner. Uh, For all have sinned, kids. It's not about your brother or your sister. Though they're a sinner too, so are you. You are a sinner. But kids, it doesn't stop there. And this is where the problems get involved. You don't just grow out of your sin. Your parents are sinners too. Your mom and your dad. They, they're they just as capable, if not more so, of being destructive and sinful as you are. Hard to imagine. I want to tell you, this, this might shock you more than anything. Your grandparents are sinners to you. Your grandparents are sinners too. I know that's... Uh, should, I'm treading on thin ice here, you know, I realize that. Uh, the scripture says, for all, for all, and that's true. Um, your grandparents struggle with sin, just as you do. And so we start there in the situation. For all have sinned. Now, being a sinner individually is bad, kids. It's it's bad when we're just a sinner. But but this is the problem. This This is the problem in the Bosler house, okay? So I'm a sinner all by myself, individually. And then I get married to another sinner. Okay? So there's two sinners. And then we start having sinner kids, right? Boom, 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 boom. Six of them. We have six sinners living in the same house. Is it bad to be a sinner? Yeah. Yes. Well... In the gospel. Yeah, I'm with you, Haley. I'm with you. She's jumping ahead on me. We, to be a sinner, it, we struggle. And it, it's destructive. It makes all kinds of problems. And then you start adding them. There's exponential destruction, kids. Figure that out later. It's a math thing, right? It just continues to get bigger. You know, kids, I want to tell you something. You don't sin as much when your brother or sisters aren't around, right? You don't sin as much, right? You don't get in trouble as much. There's no one to fight with. But when you put them all under one roof, it, it, it's no good. There's six sinners living in my home. I, I want to tell you it's even worse than that. Because this is the way we think. We think... Uh, My own business is my own business. And that's not how sin works. When I sin, I don't just sin alone. I don't just sin and and I take on all the blame and it, it only affects me. It's no problem. Let me give you an example, kids. When I steal, if I was to steal from someone, say I was going to take somebody's purse at church. I saw some lady and I knew that she had a lot of money, so I grabbed her purse and I stole it. That's only my problem, right? It only affects me. My sin, s- stealing is sinful, right? So stealing only affects me. That's not true. It affects that lady, doesn't it? Because I took from her. It might affect some other people in her family because I stole her purse. They might have to deal with, uh, she's bothered, so now, now that, that affects her. Maybe I stole money that she was going to buy groceries from the store with so they, they don't have food to eat. That affects them as well. What about my own family? Finally I get uh, somebody I get arrested and then I can't provide for my own family. Then my wife, my children get affected by that. What about this church? I'm supposed to be the pastor and an example and I'm stealing. But this is just an example. Don't tell you, your friends around, hey my pastor he was saying, talking about he stole some th- this lady's purse at church. It's exciting church I go to. Oh <laughs> you 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 think about this and you think, that's what sin does. We do it and then it affects others and definitely within our family. Definitely. It's bad. The situation is bad. I think sometimes when we think about sin, kids, we we think about sin like dust. Like dust. What if I told you there was dust in your home? You would say, no, duh. Okay? Okay. Of course there's dust. We live out in Tehachapi. It blows. It's summertime. There's dust. It doesn't bother me that much. I'm okay. You know, A little bit of dust never hurt anybody. I think that's the way we think about sin. As I tell you that sin is in your home and sin is in each person in your home, you go, yeah, but I'm in good company. You know, Everyone else is there with me. It's not that big of a deal. I want to tell you it's extremely serious. It's extremely serious. Turn over to Romans chapter 1. A couple of pages back from Romans chapter 3. The first chapter talks about some very awful sins, kids. Very awful. And how people get to the place where they give themselves over to sin and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And I want to tell you, I want to read to you a passage from chapter 1, verse 28. Um, and and I, want to, I want to show you that how people get to a place of living uh, out all these sins is real simple. They don't acknowledge God. They say, God, um, no thanks. I don't need you. I will be my own God. I will decide what I do and what I don't do. Okay? And I'll just do my own thing. Verse 28. It says this, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Verse 29, They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetous, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decrees, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. This is a passage that describes just the awful sins where, where sin leads us. And the, the, the thing that's fearful to me in that list of all kinds of bad things, of murder and various other things, there's some sins that I do in there. That That's the sinner's heart being born out in real life. This is the problem with sin. It leads us to bad places and it ruins our life down here. And it's ruining our family right now as we think about what the problems are in our home. Sin is present. Well, kids, I want to talk about um, two sins that are found in my home all the time selfishness and pride. Selfishness and pride. Selfishness and pride are things that we send all the time in my house. And I'm not just talking about my kids and my wife. I'm talking about myself. I know sometimes you want to watch TV. um, There's a question. What are we going to watch? Who decides? Who gets to have their way? I, I know that there's sometimes competitions for who gets to be first and who gets to have this as opposed to that there's questions about who's going to clear the dishes who's going to clear the dishes who's going to run the dishwasher who's going to take out the trash who's going to feed the dog who's going to clean the living room all these things come up over and over again who's going to do them and then there's an argument that goes on why well, did it last time it's your turn right uh, it's not my job, it's your job. I have another job and I'm tired because I did this job. And, and kids, I want, want you to see this. That this selfishness is always standing back saying, it's not my job. Somebody else should do this. But when it comes to something that's a privilege, we're saying, I need to go first. I need to have the biggest. I need to have the most. This is sin. This is sin. I picture, uh, you know, your, your, your dinner table, not mine, your, your dinner table. But when somebody says, hey, uh, what do you think about this? Oh, I have a story. You need to listen to me. You need to listen to me. I have the best story. And then that person finishes their story and you say, well, you think that's great. Let me tell you about this one time. And we try to top one another's story. We try to top one another's story. We try to be the one that's the biggest and the best. It's pride. Selfishness and pride. And it's alive and well in my home. Sad to say, uh, this doesn't just stop at our home in the sense of just the, the immediate family we have, but sometimes it extends, I shouldn't say sometimes, it always extends to our extended family. Happens at Christmas time, doesn't it? Christmas time, we picture, we picture that hallmark movie, right, with the big long table, and it's just decorated perfectly. Everyone's in their their Christmas outfits, and they're all ha- having a good time, and they're laughing, not too loud, but just huh, just enjoying each other. Uh, they're sitting around the table. The kids are well behaved. The, the grandparents are happy and not grouchy because it took so long to eat and uh, Very so everyone 's happy and just enjoying there 's a little bit of music in the background right there 's beautiful smells of Christmas and then comes the turkey that you know, it comes out and it 's about the size of one of those exercise balls there 's a huge turkey cooked to perfection and it 's placed on the table and then they bring out this beautiful knife and it 's just sliced perfectly and And everyone's happy. No one's complaining that this is too dry or they don't like yams or all those other things. All those things don't happen. And we seek to create that. We seek to create that. But in reality, most of the time when we get together with family, unless it's for a very short period of time, and I'm talking very short, it's usually, why can't they keep their kid quiet when I'm trying to sleep? How come I had to sleep on that lumpy hideaway, hide-a-bed thing with the bar that goes right here, you know? Uh, how come, you know, this house is so crowded I can't even breathe in here? How come it's too cold in this section? How come, how, and there's all this sense of, fight. that's just the comforts, right? Then there's also, how come, how come they never help? They never help. How come we always have to go to their house instead of them driving to our house? How, how come they always get that room, that better room, and I have to sleep out here in the living room? How, how come these things are true? You know, I'm so tired of hearing that brother-in-law's stories, or I, I'm so tired of uh, hearing about this kid's accomplishments when my kid's way smarter than their kids are. This is in the extended family, and, and it happens, doesn't it? So I want to share with you that this is hard because we have a, a, a sinful problem in our home. That's the situation. As we look to God's word, uh, we find the solution. Please turn to Galatians chapter 1. And I, I think this is such a beautiful passage, a few verses that describe for us this morning the solution. And I, I want to tell you, the problem is not just dust. It's life or death. As we look to God's word, we see that uh, that there is a solution to this desperate problem that we have. Book of Galatians, Paul is writing uh, to the Galatian church and he's encouraging them about the importance of clinging to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says this at the, the outset, starting at verse 3. Grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God, our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Did you hear this passage, I want you to see that there's a solution to our sin problem, it can be fixed. It's desperate. It's awful. It impacts us in, in amazing ways. But but I want you to tell you it can be fixed, but at the awful price of Jesus. <laughs> did you get that? In verse three it says, connecting verse four, the Lord Jesus who gave himself for our sins. He gave himself. He gave himself. What he did on the cross was for your sins your individual sins for your sin problem that impacts your family, that impacts your life and messes up your relationship with him. Jesus gave himself, gave himself. There's a, it's, it's super impactful as you consider that, that, that he didn't send another servant. The father didn't talk to the son and say, hey, we need to fix this sin problem and say, well, let's send someone else that's not important. But Jesus went himself. And not in a way where he would uh, check in, do a little bit of work, and then come back. But he gave himself to fix our sin problem. That's the solution. It seems uh, like we're in a desperate situation that we cannot get out of. But Jesus gave himself. He gave himself for our sins. You look at this passage, it talks about our sins, and then it says to deliver us from the present evil age. Uh, One more bad thing I want to tell you. Okay, one more bad thing. I want to connect to the previous point. It's not just that you're a sinner, and that you're living with a bunch of sinners. And it's not just that. It's one more thing. It's that you live in a sinful world. That you cannot keep out of your home. I think that most of us want to live in a castle, just huge walls built up and a moat around there, and say, hey, as long as we're inside, we can keep the world out. Well, there's a problem with that, because we're all sinners, and you can't keep sin out when sin's on the inside, right? But it's also bad that we live in a sinful world, and it continues to impact us all the time. But I want to tell you some good news. In verse 3, I'm sorry, verse 4. It says, He gave Himself for our sins to deliver us. Yeah, you know we're deliver. In other translations, it talks about rescuing us. Rescuing us. Isn't that beautiful? It's that He pulls us out. He pulls us out. He brings us out of that which we could not get out of ourselves. I think that's one of the big issues of life that we struggle with is that we say, you know what? We live in this sinful world and I can't seem to get out of it. I want to tell you, the way out of this sinful world is through Jesus and what he did on the cross. You cannot get out of this yourself. You can't take care of your own sins. You cannot be delivered or rescued apart from what Jesus did for you. As you consider this, um, this results. This results in glory to Him forever and ever. We don't. Uh, we should never take pride in our salvation. We should never say, "I'm a I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm no longer lost in my sin, like you are, like you are. I am not like you anymore. I'm better than you." That's not the truth at all. The truth is all. That God has done an amazing work. And we need work. And we need to point to Him all the time. If there's anything good in us. I want to talk to you a minute. Um, I, I know some of you struggle here this morning. And you're saying, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I get your point of the family and everything. and But I, I'm, I don't have any partners in this. In fact, um, it's not going to work in my house. Because... I believe in Jesus Christ, and He's taken care of my sins. He's rescued me. But the people I live with, my kids and my spouse, they're they are not on board. They're not on board. Maybe some of you kids here today are going, I believe in Jesus Christ, but my parents aren't with me. I want to talk about that for a moment here. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I think this is an important passage as we consider uh, what it is if everyone's not on board in the household. Chapter 7, talking about marriage and really the importance of marriage and the importance of holding a marriage together. It says this, we're looking at verses 12 through 14. He says to the rest, "I say," this Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, "I, "I not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband." Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Um, the word holy there is the idea of sanctifying, of, of making, of the process of, of God making us into what He wants us to be. I want you to get this picture. This is super important for us to know. How does Jesus get into a home? How does he get into a home? And I want to say it this way. Through one believing person. One believing person. You get this picture. Most of the time we say, well, it's too hard to be a Christian because there's only one of us here. No. The picture here is this. Is how how does a family get saved? How do believers sprout up in a family? Through one. Through one. One is all it takes. See, because what happens is Jesus works in the life of one. And then that one goes into their family and they share in a relationship with that spouse. And so now Jesus' work is found in that spouse and it impacts the family around them. It impacts those kids. Kids, I want to tell you something. I've seen it before. It's it's super amazing. Jesus works in the life of a little one of a child or someone in middle school or a high school or even a college student. And guess what? Now Jesus uses that relationship to work in the life of a brother or a sister, a mom or a dad, grandparents as well. You get the picture? Jesus gains access to your home. He invades a home through one person that comes to know Jesus. I want to tell you this. Your home needs rescuing. Your home needs rescuing. All that sin that's bouncing around in there. All those things that you struggle with. You need the work of Christ in your home. Well, now we come to a home of love. A home of love. And you say, well, this seems impossible. This doesn't seem like it would work. I I understand uh, the gospel... I understand that Jesus can transform my life. But how, how does this work in my home? So you say, well, I'm going to be the first one to start. I'm going to set the pace here. And you feel like I remember a friend of mine, we were driving on the 405 freeway. And we were in a lot of we were in stop and go traffic. And he joked, he said, we should be going 70 miles an hour right now that's the speed limit. I, could, I, could, I should be able to go 70 miles an hour. And he said, somebody's going to start and I'm going to be the one to start. And he takes off and we only had a couple of car lengths and he scared me. And I he's ah, just kidding. You realize what would happen, right? You just smash the person in front of you because everyone else isn't doing it. And you say, well, how will love take over my home? Some of you feel like you say, well, I've tried that. I've tried that. So I love sacrificially uh, to my wife or or, or my husband or my kids. I love sacrificially. And they like it when I love them sacrificially. And they just take it. And I stand back and I wait. And it never comes back. I'm waiting for some type of return on this. You know, I, I, I give to you and then... I'm nice to you. I'm loving to you. Kids, you know, you understand this, right? You be nice to someone and you say, "Uh, I'm waiting. Now, let me tell you what you're supposed to do right now. I was nice to you, so you're supposed to be nice to me. Kind, merciful, loving. Okay? And you say, no, I just like it when you're nice to me. And you say, well, forget it. I'm not going to be nice anymore. I'm not going to be loving anymore because I can't do that, that one way thing. I want to give you I want to give you the verse that will help you understand how this all works out in your home. First John chapter four verse nineteen. Everyone turn there. Someone's not turning there. I'm going to embarrass you. No, that's not true. First John chapter four verse nineteen. Kids, this is how it all works. Um, dads too. Okay, moms, grandparents, this is how it all works. First John chapter four verse nineteen, it says this: We love, we love, because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. We don't love, we don't love, waiting for the return. We're not nice and kind and merciful to someone else in our home because. We want them to be nice to us. We love them. We find our us working at being a loving home this way because God has loved us. Because He's taken care of us. Now we go with that same love to love one another. That's how it works. That's how it will work in your home. And I want to tell you... Um, Do any of you, uh, do you guys wear out? Do you guys run out of resources? Do you guys run out of steam? Later in the day, uh, at our house, sometimes we we say this. You know, we we could have been fine all day long, and then say, oh, he's just tired. (laughs) He's just tired. I'm just grouchy because I'm tired. I want to tell you that you will run out. You will run out, but Christ does not run out. He doesn't run out. He has loved us with an unlimited, infinite love. Infinity, kids, right? You know about infinity? It's the biggest, right? Never ends. That's how he has loved us. And if he's loved us like that, we can love with that, out of that resource, we can love one another in that way. I want to tell you uh, what will happen in your home if this catches on. If this ca- Can you picture it catching on? That, that you love that way and that the rest of your family members individually start getting it. They start walking with God. They start experiencing His love, understand the gospel. And then I'll tell you what's going to happen. Your family will become the dream team. I mean, you'll be unstoppable. Unstoppable. Why? Simply because of this. Because Christ has impacted your home. Fathers, uh, I want to call you uh, right now to repentance to change you 're not the king of your home you 're not the one because you 're the biggest and the loudest and the strongest that you get your way that that's that 's not your position in your home your position in your home is the most powerful lover of your family that because you have a relationship with God that, that he has empowered you now to love your wife and your children in an amazing sacrificial way. Moms, I want to call you to repentance as well. I know it's easy to uh, get insecure and start thinking that all your family represents comes back on you that if your kids aren't as smart as the kid down the road, that somehow it's about you. That if they don't have a cute of a dress or, or their hair's not combed perfectly, that, that somehow that's a reflection on you. That if everything's not perfect and your, your kids aren't the healthiest and all these other things, that, that somehow is about you. But for you to love your, your husband and your children, to love them sacrificially, to think of their needs, to communicate that love, to tenderly walk with them because that's how he has done for you. It's never about what we are. It's about what he has done for us. Grandparents, I want to call to you as well to repent. I know sometimes when you, you get to the end of your life, you think that you're just tired of accommodating everybody else. That it's now time for them to come to your house and now to accommodate your schedule and your time and your wants. It's not that time. It's not that, I don't know if it'll ever be that time. It's now time for you to sacrificially serve your kids and your grandkids. To to have a heart for them that says, I want to see Jesus in you. And I want that relationship where I can encourage you in those things. Grandparents, I know that's hard. It doesn't come as naturally. You know, they don't want to watch uh, the, the same things that you want to watch. The, the games they want to play aren't necessarily cribbage, Okay. Uh, there's not some of those things there. So you need to prayerfully consider your grandkids and your kids and say, Lord, how can I serve them? How can I love them? Kids, I want to talk to you for a minute. Kids, God wants to shake up your home through you. Through you. He wants to use you in your home. That your parents would understand how much Jesus loves them. And that your grandparents would understand that God loves them too. That Jesus is just not for kids. But kids, is a family Sunday. And so I have a message uh, from God's word to you about how needed, how how we we can't make it without Jesus. Or why we can't make it without Jesus. I realized that... um, Plenty of people do uh, make it without Jesus, or they seem to make it without Jesus. They go about their lives, they, uh, they live day to day, and they may even seem like they're doing better than us uh, who are trying to walk faithfully with the Lord. But this morning, I want to talk to you specifically about the family. Yesterday, I had a great uh, day, and some of you boys who are here today, you, you won't understand this. Uh, I got to go to a very special event, boys. And when you think about great events you can go to, um, I'm pretty sure this one won't uh, rank on anything that you want to do. I got to go to a wedding. It's almost like going to the dentist, you know. Uh, I got to get dressed up on a Saturday and go to a wedding. The wedding was for R.J. Presswitch. I don't know if uh, some of you may not know him Uh, But he was, he grew up right here at Bear Valley Church. Um, He went uh, through all our kids' programs, Iwana and uh, the youth ministry. And uh, he actually was an intern here uh, a few years ago and an intimate part of what's gone on here. We're super thankful for him. And now he's a youth pastor.